I love the honesty of the Bible. I love the Bible for a lot of reasons, because it's God's word. Whenever it's read, whenever it's proclaimed, whenever it's studied, it does stuff. It accomplishes divine things in the hearts of those who hear it. Uh, But one of the things I love about it is the fact that it's so brutally honest about us and about our world. I mean, over and over again, the Bible paints this picture that this world that we live in right now is a mess. Uh, To put it nicely, the Bible says that things are not as they should be. And ain't that the truth? I mean, just look at the world we're living in at this particular moment. I mean, we're still dealing with a pandemic. Like, politics is doing its politics thing. Last week, Steve from Blue's Clues showed up out of nowhere to make every millennial cry at work while scrolling their phone. This world is a mess. It's not as it should be. Uh, The Bible likes to talk about this thing called shalom. It's a word that's often translated or interpreted as peace, but it's so much bigger than that. This thread that runs throughout the scriptures is that what the world is missing, what makes the world not as it should be, is that it's missing one thing in particular. The world is missing shalom. And that word is the first word that we're going to look at in this new series that we're starting today called God Talk, where we look at some of the words that God uses throughout the scriptures over and over again to point us to and help us experience the power and the message and the love of Jesus Christ. And the first word we're looking at is a good one, shalom. Now, it's hard to define this word, in part because of the nature of the Hebrew language, the original language of the Old Testament. Uh, The Hebrew language is a really efficient and concise language. There's not a lot of words in that language, which means the words that it does have have to do a lot of work. Each word has to do a lot of heavy lifting. So one word can have a bunch of different interpretations. So, for example, this word shalom is is translated, depending on the translation you look at, some 70 different ways in the Old Testament. But, But they're all connected. So oftentimes it's translated as peace, Shalom, peace. Uh, but it's also translated as security, as, as um, uh, all being well, all being right, all being whole in your world. It, it was common in the ancient Hebrew world when you greeted or shalom. How are things in you? How are things in your world? Is all well in your world? How is your shalom? If you had a particular friend who was trustworthy, you would refer to that friend as a man or woman of shalom, a person of peace in your world. Uh, There's many layers, there's many, many different translations and interpretations of what this word can mean depending on the context, but they're all connected. They're all connected to this big idea in the scriptures that things are not as they should be. But every once in a while, we get a glimpse of the way things should be. Every once in a while, we get a hint, we get a taste of the way things God wants things to be or the way things will be in the very end. And when we get a hint, when we get a taste, when we get a glimpse of the way things should be, we have a name for it. That name is Shalom. When all is right in your world, there's peace, there's wholeness, there's security, there's prosperity. Shalom. It's an important word. Now, I would argue to you that when you get right down to it, at the most basic fundamental level, 
This idea of peace, wholeness, completeness, security, prosperity, shalom, is what every human being is scraping and scrabbling and fighting for. This is the reason we work so hard. This is the reason we try to save so much money. This is the reason we're holding out for that perfect spouse. Whatever it is, what we're wanting, what we're looking for is to experience that, that necessary but oh-so-fleeting feeling of all being right in our world. All being right in our world. Now, the good news for those who are followers of Jesus is that God promises to make all things right in your world. God promises to restore shalom. You got a hint of that in Psalm 85 that we just heard. Let me read verses 7 to 8 again. The psalmist says this, Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace. The word there is shalom. He will speak wholeness, rightness, prosperity, he will make all things good for his people. The psalmist is confident that God will give shalom to those who are members of his family. Things are not right in this world, but God will make all things right for his people. Now let's just indulge that idea for a moment. What would it look like for all things to be right in your world? For me, it might involve a Saturday morning where neither of my children ask me what we're going to do today. Shalom. <laughs> Maybe for you, it involves the uh, Texas Longhorns not losing to Arkansas on a Saturday afternoon. Shalom. Maybe it involves all your student debt finally being paid off. All things are right in your world. Shalom. On a more serious note, maybe it's all of your health issues finally being healed. Shalom. Or the relationships in your life that are always difficult, no longer being difficult. Shalom. Or that person that you passed who seems to have left this world far too soon being back with you, alongside of you, sharing life with you. That's what it would mean for you for all things to be right in your world. Shalom. Just indulge that for a minute. What would it be like? What would it mean? What would it look like for all things to be right in your world? And then remember that God's promise is that he will bring that day about for his people. Shalom. That's what the scriptures talk about. Now, an important thing to remember as we wrestle with this notion of God making all things right in this world where so little seems to be right, what's important in remembering as we, as we wrestle with this notion of peace, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, all things being as they should be, is that God does, in fact, promise to bring this about, but he promises to bring it about in a particular way. He, he won't bring this about through human processes or human possessions, but he will bring shalom through one person. And that's important to remember because our instinct is to try and manufacture false peace. 
Our impulse is to try and manufacture with our own two hands or to find or to buy with our money something that will bring shalom into our world. And what you and I know in our honest moments is that whatever shalom we're able to manufacture doesn't last all that long. I mean, history is littered with governments who've said, you know what, if we get the right weapons, we could deter war and we will have peace. That's an aspect of shalom. How's that working? Or with people like you and me who've said, you know what, if I could just get the house with the pool, shalom. Or if I could just get the raise at work and have a little more money in the bank, shalom. Or if I could just get my kids into that one school, shalom. Or, or politicians who say, you know what, if we enact this one policy, there will be greater prosperity for all until somebody finds a workaround, no shalom. We can't manufacture this through some process. We can't purchase this and have some possession that brings this, at least not in any lasting manner. What the Christian faith says is that God is going to bring about shalom, but it's going to come not through a process or a possession. It will come through a person. And the person who brings shalom, the much-needed rightness to this world, was talked about in the Old Testament over and over and over and over again as the Messiah, which is a, a Hebrew term for saving king. And, and a primary aspect of this saving king's arrival, reign, and rule is that this saving king would bring shalom. You hear this in Isaiah chapter 9, which is typically a series of verses reserved for Christmas time. Because Isaiah chapter 9 talks about the promised Messiah, the promised Savior King, which, of course, we, we now know is Jesus. Uh, but listen to what these words say. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. His name, the, the coming Savior King, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, say it with me, peace. Peace, shalom. That, that's the actual word, Prince of Shalom, it's not just saying that he'll bring an end to war. That's an aspect. He is the prince, the holy one, the leader who will bring the wholeness, the completeness, the rightness to this world that in every way it so lacks right now. Jesus is the one who brings the shalom, the peace of God. And if you know Jesus' story, if you, if you know the Gospels, then you know that Jesus went out of his way to make it clear that he was the Prince of Shalom. He was the one who was going to bring the rightness and the wholeness to this whole world, to the human experience that it so deeply lacks. I mean, he said it explicitly in his teachings, and he went to demonstrate it in his miracles. It's what so many of his miracles are about. I'm the peace bringer. So, for example, in, in John 14, really explicitly, Jesus says these famous words. He says, peace I leave with you. What is he saying? Shalom I leave with you. The wholeness, the completeness, the rightness of God, all things being made right in the world, I give to you my shalom, my rightness, completeness, wholeness, prosperity, everything this world should be but it isn't. I give it to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I'm bringing shalom, I'm bringing peace. But he also says it with his miracles. I think of one in particular. There was a storm on the sea, and Jesus is in the boat with some of his disciples, and in the middle of the storm, his disciples are losing their mind, which seems to be the only thing they're good at throughout most of the Gospels. And Jesus, because he is the the completeness, the wholeness, the rightness, the peace of God in flesh. What does he do in the middle of the storm? He sleeps. Because all's right in his world. 
He knows who he is. And so he's sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm, and the disciples wake him up, and Jesus wakes up, and what does he do? He doesn't just calm the storm. Do you know what he says? It's important what he says. The words he uses matter. It carries deep, deep, significant meaning. He doesn't just say, hey, wind and waves, cut it out, will you? I'm trying to nap. Look at what he says. He awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. What did he say to the sea? Peace, be still. This is not an accident, my friends. Peace, be still. And when he said it, the wind ceased and there was great Calm. Now, remember, some of you who've kind of grown up in the church, you'll know that the seas, water, carried deep meaning for the ancient people. Because water, the sea, often referred to as the deep, the, the ocean, whatever body of water they were looking at, it represented all that is uncertain, untamed, and chaotic in this world. It represented the lack of shalom present in creation. Because they didn't know what was underneath the waters and down beneath the surface. It was, it, was, it was unknown to them, uncertain to them. And then you and I know, living near a giant body of water, that often there are crazy storms that emerge out of nowhere. The water represents all that the world lacks in terms of peace and order. The seas were the picture of things not being as they should be. And so upon the seas, in the middle of a storm, Jesus speaks, shalom. And the water is instantly calmed. What is Jesus doing in this moment? He's saying, I'm the one who brings the peace, the wholeness, the completeness, the security that this world lacks. It's all in me. It doesn't come through a process, doesn't come through a possession that you purchase on Amazon Prime. It comes through one person, Jesus Christ. Now, now you might be thinking, as you kind of follow along with me, you, you might be thinking, well, Matt, does that mean that so long as Jesus is my guy, that like, if I hitch my wagon to him, if he's the one who brings wholeness and completeness and prosperity, all the things that this world lacks that we're all clamoring for, that if I hitch my wagon to Jesus, that all will be shalom in my world as I define it? Does that mean that my life will be easy and comfortable and I'll get all the things that I want? <laughs> no. Now, other preachers might tell that to you, but not this one. No. The shalom that Jesus brings is, according to Jesus' own words, of another world. You see, we think we know what peace looks like. We think we know what wholeness looks like, which is why we grab at all the wrong things. And that's why Jesus says, the shalom, the wholeness, the completeness that I bring to you is not given to you the way the world gives this. Because remember, it's temporary. It is, fle is fleeting. It doesn't work. Mine does. So the, the shalom, the wholeness, completeness that Jesus gives to us is, is really threefold. The first is the, the wholeness and the completeness that will come in the very end, which we haven't experienced yet because it's not yet, yeah, still not the end. But in the very end, when Christ returns, and he is returning, we just confessed it in the Apostles' Creed, when he does return, he will make fully and completely all things right that are now wrong. And it won't be complete, it won't be finished until the very end when he returns and he recreates this world and shalom, wholeness, rightness, all will be well in this world down to the molecular level of all things. 
Uh, until that day comes, what, what he gives to his people is a shalom that is twofold. He gives us what the scriptures call peace of God and peace with God. Let me explain. The peace of God is seeing Jesus calm the storm. And, and peace with God is seeing Christ die on the cross. The peace of God is the, the wholeness, the, the safety, um, the rightness of soul that you feel when you know the power of God in Jesus Christ. When you know that he has the capacity, the strength to control all things, to manage all things, to hold all things in his hands, to calm the winds and the seas, both real and metaphorical, that he has that power and he uses that power for our good. That's the shalom, the peace of God, knowing his power. And it allows you to have this, this deep sense of peace when the craziness and uncertainty and frightening powers of this world are all rearing their ugly heads. Peace of God. Peace with God is knowing the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. It's knowing that no matter what I have done in the past, what I'm wrestling with in the present, or what I'll step in in the future affects my relationship with God because of the perfect life, the sacrificial death, and the powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of which was done for you and for me, and then given to us in our baptisms. And now because we have that, because we have the work of Christ in our hands and in our hearts, because we have that, we know that, that no matter what we have done, are doing, or will do, none of it affects the way God feels about us. He loves us. The relationship is right and secure. It gives us a deep sense of peace, of shalom, when sin stirs. And I'm tempted to question whether or not he loves me. Peace with God. And you, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, both of those things are yours right now. The peace of God, he is powerful. And he is on your side. And peace with God, he loves you. And nothing will change that. Now, the opportunity for followers of Jesus with this reality in hand is to let this, this promise, let, let this word of shalom that God speaks to us, that he gives to us in Jesus Christ, to let this, this word, this power loose in our lives. If this is true, and it is true, then this is something that as followers of Jesus, we, we should hold tight to in our hearts and we should constantly encourage one another with. One of the questions I like to ask us as people of faith is this. What's the story you're telling yourself? Because we're all telling ourselves a story at any given time that we use to make sense of the world around us. And oftentimes, it's the wrong story. But followers of Jesus have been given a story of shalom that is meant to replace whatever lie we tend to tell ourselves about who we are or how the world works. You know, some people tell themselves terrible stories. 
But in Jesus Christ, your story is this at all times. And it's to be on repeat in your heart. The story is this. My God is stronger than that. My relationship is secure despite that. And my future is fine. My God is stronger. My relationship is secure. And my future is fine. Shalom. When evil rears its ugly head, and it's once again all you see when you scroll the news, or when... when a lack of health just takes over your life once again. When your grown kids do what grown kids sometimes do. When your marriage isn't what you need it to be or want it to be or hoped it would be. Whatever it is. When this world is not as it should be, what people of faith do is they let the story they tell themselves be this. My God is stronger than that. My relationship is fine, and my future is set. Over and over again, my God is stronger, my relationship is secure, my future is fine. Oh, that's terrible, but my God is stronger, my relationship is secure, and my future is set. Oh, man, that makes me so anxious. But here's the story I know. Shalom, shalom, it's peace for me. My God is stronger, my relationship is secure, my future is set over and over this is a story we tell ourselves. And then the beautiful thing that can happen over the course of time as, as we mature and grow in the telling of this story, in this word of shalom that God speaks to his people through Jesus Christ, is that it not only becomes this story that flows in us over and over again as we face this terrible world, but it begins to flow through us and it becomes a presence that we offer to other people. And in a world where so much is not as it should be, you being a non-anxious, shalom-filled presence is oh, so needed. So needed. The people of God should be the kind of people who when they walk into a room, the rest of the people say, things are a little more as they should be. Is that the case with you? As this story stirs in your heart, it can flow through you to other people. You've met people like this. You've met that person in the faith who, who seems to have just this sense of calm, of confidence in God, of shalom, of peace, of all being okay in their world, even though there's chaos around them and everybody else's hair is on fire. And you look at that person, you're like, I want to be like them when I grow up. You've met that person whose faith you admire, who is this beacon of peace in a world of panic. You've met them. Here's what I need you to know. If you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ, there is nothing that that person has that you do not. Other, perhaps, than an awareness of the peace of God that is yours in Jesus Christ. You can... Be that presence for others because you have the peace of God in Jesus Christ. And oh man, does this world need it. Not too long ago, I came across the story of the Winchester Mansion. Some of you might be familiar with this. It's in San Jose, California. 
It was built by Sarah Winchester, the widow of the man who founded Winchester Rifle Company. She started to build this house after her husband died in 1888, I believe. And she continued to build it without end for 38 years. And and she never finished. She, She just kept building. Like around the clock, she had people at the house building, building without end. And people asked, why do you keep adding on to this home? Why do you keep building on this home? Why is it never finished? She gave various reasons, all of them kind of strange. She claimed to some that she was tormented by the ghosts of those who'd been killed by her husband's rifle. Others, she said, that she believed that she would stay alive so long as she kept working on her house. Over the course of time, she built 160 rooms into this house, 10,000 windows. There are rooms and stairs that go nowhere simply because she wanted rooms and stairs built. She spent $70 million in today's money building this house. Why? People have their various reasons, but, but I think you and I both know why. It wasn't so she could have a tourist attraction, which, by the way, in San Jose, California, you can go visit this house now. But my guess is it wasn't so that she could have a tourist attraction after she was gone. She, she kept building and adding to this house for the same reason that you, you scramble after all the things you're clamoring for. And I chase after all the things I chase after. What did she want that she lacked that she thought she could get? Peace. But here's what you know, that perhaps she didn't. What you know is that peace can't come through any human process. Peace can't come through any possession that you can purchase. Peace comes through a person. And every other effort that we give ourselves to to try and make peace for ourselves, they are stairways to nowhere. They don't last. It comes through a person who calls himself the Prince of Shalom. And he doesn't give peace the way the world gives, but he does give peace. And you, you have him. Or rather, he has you. And may that change the story that you tell yourself. My God is stronger. My relationship is secure. My future is set. May that shape how you see the world and may it flow through you so that you, church, might become a peace-giving presence in this unbelievably anxious world. There are a lot of things that aren't right in this world. But when you look at them, may you say to yourself, One day, all things will be as they should be in Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us this promise to make all things right. We look at our lives, we look at the news, we look at the world around us, and we we are convinced each and every day that, that things are not as they should be. And there is an impulse in us to to clamor, to grasp, to chase after things that will give us a false peace. Father, thank you for revealing to us from whom real peace flows. Thank you that in your son Jesus Christ, 
we have the shalom, the peace, the wholeness, the rightness of God and with God. Thank you for that, Father. And, and, and may you anchor that deeply in our hearts, especially for those who today are anxious, those who are, who are frightened, those who are stirred by all the troubles of this world. May you turn our hearts and minds to the truth that in Jesus Christ, there is a power that controls all things that is working for our good and that in Jesus Christ there is nothing that can separate us from your love. All that matters is ours. The shalom that actually satisfies into eternity has been given to us. And Father, help that to flow through us just a little bit to our kids, to our friends, to our colleagues, to our spouse, to our neighbors. Because they need it too. Amen.